You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Go ahead and grab a seat for a moment. We're going to do something a little different right now. Um, the difference is a good thing. We're going to take a moment to just be able to pray uh, with one another as, as a church family, as a church body. And so what that can look like is here in a second, um, I'm going to ask us just to kind of huddle up. If that means you to stand up or if you want to scoot down, whatever, and just take about two or three minutes or maybe take just a few seconds to share some prayer requests and then to pray for each other. I'm going to really uh, and ask you to look around here in a second. If there's folks, someone by themselves or just maybe a couple by themselves, maybe invite them to be part of uh, your family, maybe a kind of a larger group for that moment, just to be able to pray together. Um, and there's so there's so much hurt in our world. There, there's some people in this room that when I mean, you come in, you're, you're just, it's a good day. But there's a lot of folks that maybe they're facing some hurt. Maybe there's uh, folks facing uh, job loss or they've lost a loved one um, or sickness, whatever. And this is a good opportunity to be able to pray for each other and encourage each other. Y'all with me? All right, let's do that. I'm gonna give you just a minute to go ahead and group up and then you can like, yeah, you can pray out loud, like make noise. It's okay to make noise in church, all right? Get a little rowdy, all right? Ready, set, go for it. Dude, <laughs> I told it. another 30 seconds or so to, to finish up praying.
Jesus, it is good to be with uh, the church. It's good to be with your people and just to be able to worship. And God, I pray that as we uh, now just dive into your word here in just a second, that you would uh, grab our attention, God, that you would stir our hearts for you. And Lord, I pray that even just through maybe that simple time of prayer, that people w- would recognize and, and, and believe that they're not alone. God, I pray that we would continue to grow and do a better job of reaching out to those around us. And but God, would you also give people courage um, when they're struggling, when they're alone, when they're afraid to, to reach out, to ask for help, to, to say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm struggling. Um, God, would you build just a, a, a vibrant sense of community here uh, at Southcrest, God, and a love for you and a love and a passion to reach the world for Jesus. It's your name we pray, God. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all for doing that. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. So we're going to be here in just a moment. And as you may remember, we finished our series, the book, last week, finished out with Revelation. And uh, this week, we're starting a little three-week kind of mini-series called Back to the Basics, and excited about doing that. We're going to really be kind of launching from Acts chapter 2 uh, every week that we're in this series. And we're going to begin in verse 42 in, in just a moment. But kind of this idea of back to the basics. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in life that if you'll just do the basic things, uh, you're, you're going to see, I guess you could call it success, or you're going to thrive. So, for example, who, where are my students at? Who's a, who's a student in the room? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. I'm not going to call you out. Okay, yeah. Students, there's some basic things. This may blow your mind. But there's some basic things that if you'll do, you're probably going to be okay. I'm not going to say you're going to be the valedictorian, but you're probably going to be okay. Like, this is, I'm going to help you here. Just lean in, okay? Like, go to class. Do your homework. What? Now you're pushing it, preacher. Okay. And, and study for exams. Like, really, if, probably, if you'll do those three things, you're probably going to do okay. You're, you're going you're gonna to do good. Um, I think about it in marriages. I know it's not this simple, but... In some ways, I really do think if you'll make the commitment to put your spouse before yourself, if you make the commitment to not feel sorry for yourself, like, I'm always doing the dishes. I'm always cooking. When is she going to recognize? Like, like, yeah, Lauren, if you're watching, just joking, right? Like, it's not true. Um, but don't lie. Everyone of us has felt that way before. You start feeling sorry for yourself because you're doing everything. And that's a great way to start ruining your marriage, feeling sorry for yourself. If, so if you do those basic things, put them first, don't feel sorry for yourself, much better chance of your marriage thriving. Or think about basketball. Ready for some tech basketball? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a basketball player. I know for some of you that's kind of surprising, but um, if you box out, make the extra pass. Like those are some basic things. If you'll do those, probably going to be okay. Or like if you're like basic things, Texas Tech football, just kick a 62-yard field goal as time expires, right? That seems to work out okay as well. Um, Basic things that if you'll do those, they help you thrive. In a similar way, with us as a church, there's some basic things that if we'll do, they help us thrive, help us be healthy. And I wanna real quick, while we're talking about these kind of basic principles, principles and characteristics that we need to do, I real quick want want to just remind us what the church is. So just to be clear, the church, the body of Christ, even the local body like Southcrest, is not a social club. Well, why am I a member? (laughs) 
Different kind of member, right? This is not a social club. But one of the things I love that uh, Cal Zant, the president of Beaten by Home, shared at our men's event on Thursday night was just the idea that like, it's a kingdom mindset. So Jesus didn't come just so we could gather on Sundays and hang out and go back to life. No, the, the kingdom of God is to pervade and invade every aspect of our lives. Amen? So this is not just a hangout. Like if you're, if you're, no matter why you came this morning, we're glad you're here. But if you came just because, like, well, it's what we do on Sundays, then you're missing out. God's plans and intentions for the church are so much bigger than that. I love this quote from Pastor Jeff Vanderstel. He says, the church is the regenerate people of God saved by the power of God for the purposes of God in this world. This means we don't stop being the church when we walk out of the building on Sunday morning. Instead, everything we do, we do as the blood-bought church of God for the fame of Jesus everywhere. I think a really simple way to think about why we gather, what happens when we gather, it's for God's glory, for our good. God encourages us here, he challenges us here. But third thing, it equips us to take the good news of Jesus to the world. That's why we gather. So so the glory of God for our good. Man, I hope that when you come to church and you come to small groups that you're encouraged, you're challenged, but it's also to equip us to take the good news of Jesus to the world. So we gather and then we what? Scatter. We gather and then we scatter. And the more that we scatter during the week and and shine the light of Jesus, I promise you the more that coming and gathering is gonna feel more important. Because it's not just like, well, get my weekly dose of Jesus and go back to life. Like, no, man, I want to come and be filled and be encouraged and and fellowship with other believers because this week I'm going back into a lost and dying dark world. Gather and we scatter. So as we gather, what are some of the basics of what we should be about? The basic characteristics, basic principles that we've got to do if we're going to thrive and be healthy as a church. So I hope I'm clear. This is not just about how do we make Southcrest awesome? No, how do we as the, the body of Christ, as the gathered people of Jesus, how do we thrive in our walk with him and make an impact on the world? Well, while this list, in, or I say list, what we have in Acts chapter two is not exhaustive. It's a really, really good start. And we're gonna look at really two, Pastor David and I are gonna look at two characteristics over the next three weeks. And I think there's even more than in this passage, but for simplicity's sake, we're gonna look at two each week. So first of all, if you would read with me in Acts chapter two, verse 42. This is uh, day of Pentecost. About 3,000 have just been added to the church. They've been saved and been baptized. And we jump in in verse 42. as It speaks about this new group of local body of believers. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was Filled with all, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Here's the the first characteristic, the first basic thing we've got to see. Number one is this. We must be a people 
committed to the word, not casual wandering. Not, not notice, not wandering, like I wonder, no, wandering around, looking around. We must be a people committed to the word, not casual wandering. Where am I getting this? So look in verse 42. I would love to encourage you to highlight or underline the word devoted. They devoted, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They made this commitment. You know, so much of, of life really is about a willingness, like of health and thriving life is determined on a willingness to do the tough things, to do the things you don't want to do, to be devoted, to be committed, to really, you could say, put in the work. It says these new believers, they were devoted, they were committed to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? So this was the men who had walked with Christ, they're teaching about Jesus. That's what even what happened in Acts chapter two at Pentecost. And they're showing how Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. So even going back to the Old Testament and showing and helping them see Jesus in the Old Testament, like we even talked about a little bit last week for a few brief moments. So they're teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and really as well teaching the Old Testament. And they're teaching how believers are to begin to live out their faith in Christ. So these new believers, says they were devoted to what? To the apostles' teaching, to live in light of a risen Savior. So for us today in 2021, the apostles' teaching is found where? Right here, right? In the word of God. I am not an apostle, I'm a preacher. The apostles' teaching right here in the word of God, and we proclaim the word, the words of Christ from Scripture. So here, here's the deal. We follow the model of the basic idea of being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Really, we follow that same model by being devoted to the word of God. Amen? Whether it be coming, it says they, they gathered in the temple down in verse 46. It says they devoted themselves to meet together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. We follow that very same and similar model by coming on Sundays or whenever, and Tuesday if you're a college student, or, or Wednesday nights and gathering and studying the word. We follow that model, but after this service is over, many of you are gonna go to a small group. We have a few groups that meet on uh, Wednesday nights. We have a group that meets on Monday night and they gather around and they study the word of God. And it's not just in, in a large group, in a small group, it's even individually. We must be devoted, committed to studying the word of God, to, to reading it, to studying it, to memorizing it, to knowing the word of God, to, to hearing the word of God day in, day out. We must be a people committed to the word, not casual wandering. So not this casual like, well, I'll read the Bible when I feel like it, or I may go to church when I feel like it. No, being devoted to read and hear the word of God. Listen, any church worth being a part of is a church that will proclaim the Bible. A church that will stand on the Bible, not, not just like the fun, make you feel good parts, but all of it, amen? I would add that any body of believers that you could look at, its health, its thriving nature can only rise as high as its devotion to the word of God. As soon as we lose our devotion to scripture, we're in trouble. Not just like, oh man, attendance is declining. No, our spiritual health and vitality will immediately soon follow in losing its strength. We must stand on the word of God, devoted to it. 
and half the room says, heard that before, <laughs> right? But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask you to, but if we took a poll, how many of us are actually like really daily reading the Bible? When I say daily, I don't mean legalistically, but just like as much as you can, you're reading the Bible. Probably for most of us, that's a struggle. And I think if we're honest, I think I said this a month ago, it's okay if I did, but like I think the, the most common conversation I've had in ministry with whether it be uh, middle schoolers up through senior adults is difficulty around reading the word of God. Meaning either people say, and I appreciate their honesty. Like I'm not like, "Mm -hmm," when they tell me like, I appreciate their honesty of them saying, man, I just, I don't understand it or I just get bored with it or I'm I'm just busy. All of us have felt that way at some point. But as the mother on my favorite cartoon, Bluey, says, boring things most often are important things. And let me tell you, the Bible is not boring when you start reading it. Things are boring when they don't make sense. If you never read the Bible, but occasionally once a month, it's not going to make sense. And therefore, it's going to be what? Boring. You got to read it. You know, I'm going to like carve a little space out here and just have a, not have a fit, but uh, just spend a little time. I'm not going to have a fit. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm not three years old. (laughs) Turn with me to Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 119. So 119. We're going to go back to Acts 2 in a minute, but Psalm 119. This is one of the coolest chapters in the Bible. Because what the author has done, he's taken the Hebrew alphabet and divided up and basically under each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, given a little, a little jam, a little rap sesh, if you will, on why the word of God is so awesome. And by the way, just remember, when he wrote Psalms, all he had really, like we can say firmly what he was referring to, were the first five books of the Old Testament. So we, for sure, it is totally 100% accurate and appropriate as we read this to understand this as the entire counsel of Scripture, meaning the whole Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. But David, when he wrote this, is thinking in his mind of the first five books of the Bible, which I'm emphasizing and pointing that out because normally we think of, we're like, Leviticus, boring, lame, right? Like, we don't, we don't read those. And he's, he's looking at those first five, and here's what he's saying about how amazing God's word is. And again, it's true of all of scripture. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna move kind of fast. We're not gonna read this whole thing because it would take up the rest of my time probably. But I'm gonna just point out a few verses. I'm gonna read it and just kind of point out what's so amazing about scripture there. And maybe, just maybe, after this going through the Hebrew alphabet, have a little more, a little more reason for why you should dig into Scripture outside of just because you should. Verse 1 of chapter 119. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. God doesn't care about your happiness. He just cares about your holiness. Eh, wrong. God cares about your holiness, but to say God doesn't care about your happiness is unbiblical. You want to be happy? What's he say? Read your Bible. <laughs> Try that with your kids next time. Like, my mom, dad, I'm bored. You want to be happy? Read your Bible. Verse nine. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. Now, why should you read the Bible? When you walk in the word, you walk in purity. Verse 24, he says, your decrees are my delight and my counselors. Why should you read the Bible? Because the Bible is free, ever present, any moment's notice, counseling. You go see a counselor, you're gonna drop $150. And we, man, we, we like, we love counselors. We work with a lot of counselors, but this is free, ever present counseling. Verse 28, he says, I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Why should you read the Bible? Because it gives strength to the weary. Verse 37, he says, turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. Why should you read the Bible? When you begin to read scripture, it teaches you not to waste your time looking at worthless things. Verse 45, I will walk freely in an open place because I study your precepts. Why should you read the Bible? Because for your spirit, for your soul, it's as though you begin to walk in a free place. So instead of being constrained and in your mind, you're just in a fit and you're all tied up in knots. No, when you walk in scripture, you walk freely in an open place. Verse 49, he says, remember your word to your servant. You have given me hope through it. Why should you read the Bible? It gives you hope. Verse 61, though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your instruction. Why should, why should you read the Bible? Because haters gonna hate. They're gonna try to come after you. Hope for getting to those times where people are coming after you and trying to, to, to hurt you or make you fall. Man, you cling to the word of God. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Why should you read the Bible? Because it keeps you close to God in hard times. Verse 76, may your faithful love comfort me as you promised your servant. Why should you read the Bible? Because it comforts you. Verse 86, all your commands are true. People persecute me with lies. Help me. Why should you read the Bible? Because if you read the Bible, you will always have one truth teller in your life. You know what a truth teller is? Someone who would tell you what you don't want to hear. That 10%, 10 of feedback that you're like, oh man, I don't want to hear that. 90%, it's so great. That 10%, the Bible will always be a truth teller. Verse 89, Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Why should you read the Bible? Because everything else in life changes, but the Bible never changes. God's word stands forever. Verse, verses 98 through 100, he says, your command makes, my, makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. Why should you read the Bible? It gives you wisdom. Verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Why should you read the Bible? Because it is a flashlight in the dark. Verse 114, it says, you are my shelter and my shield. I put my hope in your word. Why should you read the Bible? Because it takes us to our shelter and our shield, God. Verse 128, I carefully follow all your precepts and hate every false way. When you read the Bible, you learn to hate ways that are false. They're gonna mislead you. Verse 129, your decrees are wondrous. Therefore, I obey them. 
Read the Bible because it's wonderful. Verse 138, the decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy. Why should you read the Bible? Because it's trustworthy. Verse 149, in keeping with your faithful love, hear my voice. Lord, give me life in keeping with your justice. Why should you read the Bible? Because it constantly, over and over again, reminds you that God hears your prayers. Verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. No fake news here. Every single word is true in scripture. You don't have to sort through, is this opinion, is this fact? Every single word is true. Verse 162, we're almost there. I rejoice over your promise like one who finds vast treasure. Why should you read the Bible? Because it's a treasure chest. Think about that. Instead of in the morning, like, oh, I guess I read my Bible. Oh, open it up. Man, dig into it like it's a treasure chest. What is God going to show me this morning? When you come to church, man, what is God going to teach us in his word? When you go to a small group, man, what are we going to learn about when we study God's word? It is a treasure chest. And finally, verse 176, he says, I wander like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. Commands, excuse me. Why should you read the Bible? Because it keeps wandering sheep close to a really good shepherd. We've got to be a people devoted, committed to the word. Not just casual wandering. I guess I'll read my Bible. No, committed. The Center for Bible Engagement did a study of 40,000 people ages 8 to 80 to see how, uh, this is in America, to see how we're engaging with scripture. And they saw that people who read their Bible one to three times a week, they saw negligible effects. It didn't really, it wasn't like this big life-changing thing. But people that read their Bible four times a week or more, I should say four days a week or more, listen to some of these stats. They saw a 30% drop in loneliness, a 32% drop in anger, 40% drop in bitterness in relationships. Our world can use some of that. <laughs> Alcoholism dropped by 57%. 60% said they saw a drop in feeling spiritually stagnant. All of a sudden, they felt like they were growing spiritually. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. Should you read your Bible? Yes. <laughs> Preferably every day. What does Psalm 1 say? Meditate on it day and night, like a tree planted by living waters. Now, I think, I think so often, uh, a lot of us in this room, we would say, yeah, yeah man, I'm, I know I should read the Bible. I'm kind of devoted to it. But we say, well, man, I've read it and it doesn't really seem like it's doing much. Or... This morning, I read a quick verse of the day, and man, it's not really changing me much. I think the, the, the rhythm you see in Scripture is this lingering in the Word of God. That's why it says in, in back in Acts 2 that they were devoted to it, and they met daily. I'm not saying we're going to have Sunday church every day, but I'm just saying that they were daily committed to the Word of God. And I think the way I would picture that and I've used this before, but maybe it'll stick with you. If this is a fire, like this, this table represents a fire, and I'm like, 
come in. I'm like, it's chilly outside. I'm cold. Like, and I walk by the fire and I come over here. I'm like, guys, that fire's trash. Like, I just walked by that, I walked by that fire and I am no longer, I'm, I'm not warm at all. It didn't do anything. Hopefully a few of you would be like, are you okay, Brandon? <laughs> you need psychiatric help, right? Like, you can't just walk by it. You've got, you've got to linger, right? Or think about a cup of hot chocolate. Man, you guys ready for it to cool down, right? It's pretty cool this morning, ready for cold weather. You got a hot, a cup of hot chocolate or hot coffee. If you just, you sit down on the couch and you take one sip and then set it down and you're done and expect to be refreshed and, and kind of rejuvenated and feel warm, like that's, that's silly. No, you, you got to linger and spend time. So that's how God's word is. Being devoted to it is not this just flipping, I'll read a verse and move on. No, but I'm gonna spend time daily reading it, studying it, lingering in his goodness. You know what's cool when you do that, when we're devoted to the word here at, as a church and in small groups and on your own? What's cool about that is you're making space to see God's goodness. Read this passage one more time in, in chapter two. I've got to press the gas a little bit. <laughs> they devoted themselves, again, chapter two of Acts 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Quickly, here's the second point we've got to see in this text, and I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit. It is this. Number two, back to the basics. We must be a people who make space to see the goodness of God, not relegate God's goodness to a space. I'll say it one more time. We must be a people who make space to see the goodness of God, not relegate God's goodness to a space. That's a lot of words to say really simple. We gotta be a people of worship, people that are in awe of God. But here's why I'm being so wordy with that. So often I think we think of, of worship as just, man, I, I go on Sunday for, for us in this room, I come to the venue and I get my worship on. If worship for you is relegated to literally this room that man could sure use an update and get rid of this green carpet, can I get a witness, okay? But Jack, business administrator. Just kidding, sorry, folks. Town task, okay. <laughs> if you relegate worship to this space, it's gonna be hard for you to worship because we're not created to worship just one hour a week when we show up and we stand and we sing some songs. By the way, that was not B team. I did a great job. Thank y'all for leading today. No, you, you begin to see the goodness of God when you make space for worshiping him in every aspect of your life, in everything. Look at verse 43, I love this. It says, everyone was filled, passive, with awe. Filled meaning, so you receive that action. So it's not like, I'm going to worship. Uh, no, they were filled with awe, which awe is a form of worship, right? Being standing, God, you're so good, you're so amazing. See, that, that's how it works. The, the, the pattern of scripture 
is revelation and response. That's what worship is. Yes, there's a time to come in and even if you don't feel like it, I'm gonna come and worship. But the overwhelming pattern of scripture is you see God and then you respond in worship. You're filled with awe. So an example of that would be Romans 12, after Paul has listed all the mercies of God and the grace of God, he's been unpacking the gospel and, and he says, therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual form of worship, right? So this big magnanimous, is that a word? Big ginormous elf um, view of God and his goodness. And then, so now respond in worship. Filled with awe and you respond with worship. You don't get to that part in Romans 12 if you're not willing to read and make the space for Romans 1 through 11 and to see God's goodness. I think another example of that would be in Exodus. Don't turn there, but Exodus 14 through 15. So the Israelites, God leads them through all the plagues and he, he delivers them out of Egypt and then they're crossing the Red Sea and the Israelites get through the Red Sea without any harm. But what happens to Pharaoh and all his soldiers? They're gone, right? They're wiped out. God kills them all and they sing a song of worship in response. A little different worship service than our worship gathering today, right? To see a bunch of soldiers killed in the Red Sea, slightly different. But they saw God's power, they saw God's might. And if you read in Exodus 14, or excuse me, Exodus 15, one through three, one through three they sing a song of of worship. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah, he's standing before God and the, the seraphim flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And then when God says, who will go for me? Isaiah says, here am I, send me, I'll go. He saw God and he responded in a life of worship. Here's what I'm getting at. You, you can't practice and like work up this awe and worship. I'm gonna come Sunday, I'm gonna worship, no. You make space to see the goodness of God. And as you see God, you can't help but worship, amen? You can't help but be in awe of who he is. And again, I'm not saying there's, there is a time to come and say, man, I don't feel like it, but I'm gonna worship. But I think we would have to do that less if we made more space for seeing God's goodness in everyday life. You can't really practice all, but you can position for all, A-W-E. You can't practice for it, but you can position for it. You know, if, if uh, I don't know, I use this a lot, but it's because I think a lot of us have, have been there. Like if, if you drove up to um, Paladura Canyon, you don't tell people, I'm going to be filled with all, right? Like on your hike, what are you doing? I'm going to be filled with all. But when you get to the top of the lighthouse and some of you people are crazy enough to climb on the very, very top of that, not me, you get up there and you see everything and you are filled with all in God's goodness. When, when a child is born, you don't tell people, I'm being filled with all. But as you experience that, whether it be your spouse or a family member, or a friend, you're filled with all at God's goodness. Seeing God's goodness leads to worship. You can't practice all, but you can position for it. So what does that look like? I think it's to, to ask God and look for God in everyday life. God, I, I wanna worship you not just on Sundays, but every day, knowing that worship every day will certainly impact our worship on Sunday. God, would you open my eyes to see your goodness? Maybe I think positioning for all, making space for God is slowing down a little bit. If we're always go, 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 it's hard to see what God's doing. It's hard to make time and space for, to hear from God if you're always go, 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 go. And again, I think the most basic, simple thing you might expect me to say, and if you do, I like that, is you read your Bible. 
I love what one pastor commentator, he says, the deeper your understanding of the truth of God, the deeper your understanding of God himself, the higher your worship goes. Worship is directly correlated to understanding. The richer your theology, the more full your grasp of biblical truth, the more elevated your worship becomes. So many of us, we just come on Sunday and hope we're gonna worship and be moved at the songs and make us feel good. Man, we're gonna let you down. Like our team is awesome, we're gonna let you down. It begins with seeking God. See, if we're gonna be a church that thrives, we need to go back to the basics of, of seeking God. And when we seek God, we're gonna see God and seeing him will cause us to be filled with awe and wonder and worship and will only create more momentum, momentum excuse me, to what? Seek God more. It's rhythm. You know, many of you... Um, hopefully are, are on top of uh, getting Christmas gifts. I'm told that there's a shipping problem here in America. I don't know. Some delays. It's weird. And yeah, if you're on top of it, you know, uh, yeah, get on it. Sorry. Lost train of thought. There we go. Last weekend, Lauren and I took the kids to go do some bike shopping because we want to get them bikes for Christmas. And so we went to look at some tricycles and uh, it was funny, the kids, they can't, they can't quite, they're three years old, and they, they haven't quite got that rhythm of pedaling down really well. And, and so you can judge me, it's probably my fault. And so we go to this bike shop over off of a slide, and the guy's like, man, we got the tricycles, and the kids are so excited, like, man, take those out in the, on the uh, parking lot and let them ride around and try them out. So we, we pick up the bikes and go and set out in this big, wide-open parking lot, and because they can't really do the pedal thing yet, they're just sitting there. They're sitting on the bike and had no lie. He's sitting there, he's got a helmet on. He's like, dad, dad, when I can pedal, this is gonna be so cool. <laughs> and he's just like, he kind of, he can't, he's going back and forth. He can't quite get the rhythm yet. Same thing with Carolina Tate. So they're just kind of, they're just kind of there. And so because they don't have that rhythm of, of pedaling, they're not, they don't move. They just, they just sit there. Once they get the rhythm, they're gonna move. Why do I say that? the rhythm of seeking God and seeing God. See, so many of us, we're to be a church, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see God, and are you seeking him? God just shows up, he can do whatever he wants, wants. but most often in scripture, he's inviting us to, to seek him as believers, to, to, to spend time with him. And if you don't have that rhythm of seeking him and seeing him, seeking him and seeing him, you're gonna be stagnant in your faith. And oh, and by the way, so will the church. Any church, any church where the, the people, again, the building is not the church, we are the church. Any church where there's not a rhythm of seeking God and seeing God, we're gonna be stagnant. So this morning, the invitation is, is really for you to consider, do you have that rhythm of seeking God and seeing God? For some of you, I think we're gonna have just a, a really brief time for you just to kind of sit and, and quiet and talk with the Lord. Maybe you need to get more serious about being committed, devoted to the word of God, seeking him that way. For some of you, maybe it's making space to see the goodness of God. And I think I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit because I'm out of time. The Holy Spirit will lead you on maybe some specific ways that looks at making space for God in your daily schedule so that you can be filled with all. But which of those maybe do you need to do? Or maybe it's just getting, growing in that rhythm of seeking Him and seeing Him. For some of you, maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. The reality is, Coming to this building, 
being, even joining, like becoming a member of the church does not save you, does not actually bring you to the family of God. Placing your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus is what saves you. Realizing he died on the cross for you, offers you forgiveness and hope and love. If you will surrender to him, say, Jesus, I repent for my sin. I wanna believe in you. I trust you. Would you be in charge of my life? When you do that, you are saved and you become part of the family of God. So if you've not done that, I'm gonna ask you why I have just this brief moment of kind of quiet and talking with the Lord. And just make that your prayer to God. God, would you save me? I'm gonna give you just a few moments to talk with the Lord and respond, meet with him, to seek him. have just a, a brief time here to, to sing and respond. There's actually going to be just a couple people down front. I think of a, a, kind of under that TV, or down here and here under that TV, um, that are here just to pray with you. Maybe you have a question or a concern or want to know maybe with some more clarity or more detail what it looks like to trust Christ. They're here for that. Or maybe again, just maybe you come and say, hey, I, I want to grow in making space for God or being devoted to the word, uh, whatever. Um, maybe you just want to come and pray for, for our church. Um, that we would be a strong, healthy, vibrant church as we think about these basics. Man, the altar is, is gonna be open and these folks would love to pray with you and encourage you. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna stand and sing. God, thank you for uh, just how you take care of us, for bringing us into a body of believers to be encouraged and challenged and equipped to go and be the light of the world. Thank you that you say you are the light of the world. God, we're grateful for the Bible, grateful for the chance to worship. Lord, thank you for the truth that though the grass withers and the flowers fade, the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. Y'all stand with us. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 